This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. After 47 years in the MBA and another nine years prior to that in the American Basketball Association, the Denver Nuggets have finally won their first NBA championship. And how did they do it? The old adage, teamwork makes the dream work. I'm Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, your host for The Voice of Leadership and Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. And today we will unpack a little bit more about what that teamwork accomplished for the Denver Nuggets. So when we think about teamwork, we're thinking about the fact that the team is winning together rather than maximizing their own personal wins, personal statistics, or ego. They really focused on the team win, the we. And you'll find that whenever Nikola Jokic, their star player, is interviewed after major wins and reporters try to give him a lot of accolades, he always references the fact that it's a team win and that they have won together. That's really the key to their success. One of the things about teamwork and winning together is that you do whatever you need to do in order for your team to win. That means you have to be able to play a lot of different ways on the court. That takes a lot of practice. That takes a lot of training. And so Jokic looks around and sees what is needed. And that's what he delivers. So in this particular case with the NBA championship, there were times when he was coaching from the floor. And so many people were saying, oh, you were out there coaching. And of course, the actual team coach is Michael Malone. And Nikola Jokic says he doesn't want to be a coach. To him, that's the worst job imaginable. And I don't know why he says that. However, I suppose it's because when you're really the coach, you can't get on the floor and play in the game. He would much rather play in the game. And here's what I would say is sometimes, even in playing the game, if your team needs coaching, then you have to function short-term as a coach. That means you're using coaching skill and you're providing coaching to them, not as the coach, as a player. You can be a player coach. That's true teamwork, to see where there's a gap and to fill in at that moment with that gap. So number one, this teamwork is a matter of mindset. It's perspective. It's an attitude about how they win. They have team loyalty and they win as we. A second factor that I think is really important when you're operating from a framework of the we and the team and the win at the collective level, 
It's also the individual preparation that's necessary. You have to build all around skills and be available and able to fill in when your team needs you to fill in. If you're not trained at a high level individually, then you're not going to be ready to assist the team in whatever they need you to do. So when we take a look at Jamal Murray, who is that second member of the dynamic duo of Nikola Jokic and then Jamal Murray as well. He trained in harsh conditions in Canada. He even trained in such a way that he would have cups of tea on his legs when he was doing squats. And when other people quit and stopped, he was still training. And that's kind of the attitude when you have this drive for excellence and the desire to win, you still have to prepare yourself to the highest of your ability at the individual level. So there's teamwork, then there's also what you have to do individually to make that dream work as a team. A third factor that I would say that's really important is the importance of relationships. In other words, the Denver Nuggets operate as a basketball family. They genuinely know each other. They get to know each other. They like each other. There's love on that team and there's a lot of support. And one of the things that Nikola Jokic talks about is knowing the team members so well that he can look at them and know what they need at the moment and be able to deliver that. And knowing them so well, he knows what kinds of actions they prefer and he can deliver that and how he's operating on the court. And so that's really a deep level of knowledge. And what Yogi says is his business to know his team members even better than the competition or the enemies, if you will, will know the team members. So there's clearly this strong relationship and sense of family that's really, really important in terms of making this work. Nikola Jokic is from Serbia, which is more of a collectivist kind of a culture. In Serbia, people are very loyal to their friends and to their family. And he brings that attitude even into how he operates with the Denver Nuggets. And so in many ways, the Denver Nuggets, that's the basketball family. And he's intensely loyal to them. He shares those values, lives out those values within the team context. At the time of the NBA championship win, you see Nikola Jokic celebrating with his brothers, who are also sports guys, and you see him celebrating with his wife and with his daughter. The family is very important to him, so he's not going through this alone. He also talks about when he was growing up in Serbia and as a child, he and his brothers used to play sports together and they would compete with each other. And when you think about it, when you learn to compete with your brothers, you're competing with family members. And so the family part is still in there with the competition. And that can change how you look at each other and also how you look at the competition opportunity. The fourth variable that I'll mention in terms of the Denver Nuggets and their success is that there was a plan for what I'll call the long game 
and building the team. They weren't just looking at a short-term focus or short-term success. A lot of times in the NBA, teams will go after three superstar kinds of players, and they want to hedge their bets for success by making sure that they have these superstars on board. What the Nuggets did instead was they drafted people who really wanted to be a part of the Nuggets, and then they developed and grew them at their franchise. So they were a homegrown team in many respects in terms of the players that they brought in. They also had a tendency to see the value in people, even if there were some problems or imperfections. So when Jamal Murray really had the torn ACL and his recovery was long-term, they didn't abandon him. They knew that he was really their point guard and they wanted to keep him. And so they waited it out. They went with him through the journey of recovery and very similar set of circumstances with Michael Porter Jr., the forward, who's like the third man on the team when he had uh, to have back surgery. They waited for him as well. And in the case of Jamal Murray, he was fearful perhaps that the Denver Nuggets would trade him once he had that injury. However, they knew what he could do and what he would do when he recovered and when he came back. And so they, again, had intense loyalty to these players, even when they were injured, even when they were down and they were recovering. Now, the owners of the team, as a father and son duo, that father and son duo, Stan and Josh Cranky, they own a number of different sports teams and Stan has owned these teams for about 23 years. He's been in the business. And only now is he starting to really see the fruit of his labor and starting to win and win in some different ways. So the Colorado Avalanche has really been doing well. He's won two Stanley Cups in the National Hockey League. And then the LA Rams won the Super Bowl in 2022. So a lot's going on with these wins that are happening, and they're not all happening in the same way. So in the case of the LA Rams, they did more of a strategy of attracting some superstars to the team. That's what they thought they needed at the time. Whereas for the Denver Nuggets, it was a teamwork focus for sure and getting the right people on the team. Now, as you plan for that long game, what's really important is to also think about assembling team members who have complementary skills, and this is number five, and who have complementary personalities and where you can build some depth, have some chemistry amongst the members, and have some support players as well. It's not enough to have superstars. You've got to have the support players around them so that the whole formula works in the end. And it's important to continually be thinking about where's the team now? What are our strengths and what do we need? So you can't rest on the laurels from the past. Like many teams who've won championships in the past, they think, oh, well, we're champions because we've won before. We don't have to do anything different. I think with the Denver Nuggets, they're agile when willing to reinvent with the times, whatever it is that they need currently is what they're going to do. 
The sixth thing I would say that was important is to set the ball up for others. If I think of Nikola Jokic, one of the sports that he played in the past was volleyball. I can see the influence of volleyball and how he plays because there's a lot of setting the ball up for other people in the game of volleyball. And he clearly takes that into basketball as well, whether he's passing the ball, he's assisting in some way, focusing on rebounds. The point is setting the ball up for other people. You don't have to take every shot yourself. And in fact, I think there's a couple things that, you know, Jokic says about this that I want to mention. He says that a point makes you happy, an assist makes you and your teammate happy. And so when you do an assist, you're making two people happy. And he says, for me, an assist is the same as getting a basket. So if your team member is the one who shoots the ball in the basket and that's a point for the team, that's a point for you too. And it's great. It's a great way to think about it. That's actually a team perspective. That's a team way to approach and think about what you're doing in the game. And the number seven, what I would say that's really important is to be a decent person and out of the character of who you are and who you are as a person, then comes also being a decent player in the game. And Michael Malone talks a lot about Nikola Jokic and says he is a decent man, not just a great basketball player, a decent man. And I think that's really an important aspect and way to think about who you are as well. And what Jokic says is basketball is not his whole life. He has a sense of balance beyond the game of basketball. He loves his racehorses in Serbia. And with his winner's funds, he says he might buy himself another racehorse that he can uh, race in Serbia when he goes back. And he's looking forward to being in Serbia for the summer and visiting with his friends and his family members there. Also think that another component, because basketball is not everything uh, to Jokic, she brings a sort of calm and a relaxed posture to it, even when they might have some challenges and some difficulty. And one of the things he says about that, he says, every game for me is like a pickup game in front of my house. Notice the house part. It's a home thing. Again, the family connection. And this is how we live every day. We're playing basketball in front of the house. And like I imagine he probably did with his brothers when he was growing up. And speaking of him as a young person, before he was ever thinking about basketball, when he was five years old, someone gave him a sweatshirt that had the Denver Nuggets on it, the Denver Nuggets emblem on this sweatshirt. He was five years old. He wasn't playing basketball. He wasn't thinking about basketball. And he certainly wasn't thinking about the Denver Nuggets. So you never know how even a symbol like that early in your life may be a picture of what your future holds. And certainly it had a connection in his case. One of the things I mentioned earlier is how important it is to assemble support team members and other players around maybe your core one. So we know that Nikola Jokic is as the center. He was a core player. We know that Jamal Murray is the point guard, is a central player, and then kind of like a third in that 
trifecta would be Michael uh, Porter Jr. as a forward. Now, there were some other players also who were really important. Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Christian Braun. These are other key players on the team as well. And there were some other players who were going to be mostly on the bench, and they were there to mentor and develop the younger players on the team. Now, you need people in all of these roles and positions. Every last one is important. So again, a point that Jokic gets on the court, these guys, whether they're sitting on the bench or playing in some other role, that's their point too, because they're working all together. And it reminds me of David, King David, when he had his men go out to battle. He eventually learned you needed to leave some men behind to watch the stuff so that raiders wouldn't come in and steal your belongings, take your wives, and so on and so forth. And so there would usually be a few hundred men left behind. And those men got to share in the victory and the spoils, just like those who went to battle. Because David recognize that these support staff, if you will, were crucial to the win. If his guys who were out on the battlefield had to worry about the stuff at home and were concerned about that, they were going to be fully focused out there on the battlefield. So these guys gave them peace of mind and they were serving an important role. And that's how you have to think about things from a teamwork perspective. One of the things that Nikola Jokic also says is that the team is always bigger than an individual and a really good team can win a championship. And I think the Denver Nuggets definitely proved that and showed that in the NBA championship win of 2023. Now you might be wondering, how does all of this apply to business? I think there's a huge tie into business. And so let me outline some of those connections. We think about the business environment. Teamwork is really important in a lot of industries, a lot of companies, depending on what your profession is, what you produce, the service you provide. So let me just review a couple of points about teamwork. You have a team when the work is interdependent. In other words, you can't get it done alone. You must operate with other people in order to pull it off. That's certainly true in a basketball team. One person is not going to be able to win a game alone. You even have to have certain players on the field at any given time. Well, in many businesses and companies, the same is true. The work is interdependent. You're depending on what somebody else is doing in another department or another role or who has another skill. When you're a team, you also give each other feedback. And it's that feedback that helps you to get better at how you operate as a team, which leads to number three, you are continually learning together. Those are the essence pieces, the essential pieces of a high-performance team is that you are interdependent, can't get the work done without each other, you're giving each other feedback, and you're learning together. In a large global company, you may be a team at that big picture enterprise global level of who you are, 
Because in order to have your mark in the marketplace and to be successful overall, it takes all of those countries, all of those departments, all of those players for the collective win. You may also have teamwork at what I'll call the unit level or the department level or much smaller level or even, let's say, a country level in a multinational a corporation. So you may have teams at different levels to think about where that work might be interdependent and where you can operate with each other. And similarly, again, to a basketball team number two, each individual person, no matter what your job is, no matter what your role is, you have to master your craft individually so that you can make your highest level contribution to that team. And you have to be versatile and learn as much as you can to increase your value to the team, to the company, to the corporation. And thirdly, I think that there's an importance of relationships in business as well. You want to value your other team members and know their contributions. And the more you get to know other departments, other countries, other products, other services, that's going to help you to think of new and better ways to support the team members as you go along. So having that respect that caring, that love and like for each other is very important. Taking the time intentionally to go and visit other people who may not be geographically close to where you are or who may not be offering the same kind of value that you're offering, yet the important pieces of the team, visit them and also learn about them. Another way that teamwork is important in the business world is number four. Again, the plan for the long game. That means grooming and developing your team members in-house. So a lot of companies have really started recruiting their best people from college directly or from the trade schools or from the places where people are showing interest in whatever that business is. You don't have to always get a star player from a competitor or from another company. Sometimes you do. Frequently, though, you can grow your own in-house. And there's some advantage to that. When you grow your own people in-house, you are able to share with them your culture, your brand, the way you do things in your organization and there's less unlearning that the person has to do. Because if they're coming from somewhere else, they've learned a way of operating that may be different and maybe not even compatible with operations in your organization, your company. So there's less fixation on the past, if you will, less that you have to break. And all you need to do then is build into these players that you are selecting and then grooming in your culture. Number five, the complementary skills, that's still important because you are building chemistry in your company. You want team members who are supporting one another. Even if they are stars, you're bringing other support players around them and not all of your people are doing the exact same thing. They're having 
different gifts they're bringing, different roles that they're bringing into the company and into the company's success. And number six, about setting the ball up for others. This is important too, because as they've gotten to know each other and to build relationships, as we said earlier, now when you're with a customer or a client, and you're talking about the service you provide or the product you provide, and you can see that that customer really could use your colleague's product or service as well, you can cross-sell, you can cross-promote, you can make introductions to other people on that bigger enterprise-wide team for the benefit of the customer so that they're better off And it's also a company win. So the client gets helped and the company also has a win. So the more you know each other, respect and value one another and know more about what the other does, you are able then to set the ball up for one another in the corporate context as well. And then number seven about just being a decent person You know, when I wrote my book, Lead Yourself First, it was really about this. It's about who are you as a person in life? What are the lessons that you've learned in life? And how do those then translate into the business world? And so similarly, for example, when they were talking about Nikola Jokic and who he is as a person, as a man, and then who he is as a basketball person too. Well, in the business world, you're somebody outside of work and you're bringing that person to work with you. And the more you develop who you are, even outside of work, the more valuable you will be to your workplace. One of the things that research shows is that those who have hobbies, those who have other interests, those who make a point of learning in other contexts, even something that seems completely unrelated to your business, you're going to bring new lenses and better value to your company than if you just focused all day 100% internally on the company and had no other interest. So for summarizing all of this today, I would say that when teamwork makes the dream work, These seven factors that we've unpacked are as follows. Number one, prioritize the team over individual interests. Number two, develop yourself individually to be the best team player that you can be with as many skills as you can develop and bring to the team. Number three, build your family and love relationships, if you will, with your team members in the corporate context as well. The more you care for them, the more you're going to be able to add value. Number four, plan for the long game more than just for the short game. Who are you going to need not just today, tomorrow, and in the future? Be willing to invest in those people. Five, assemble team members with complementary skills and chemistry, abilities, skill sets, talents, and personality. And number six, set the ball up for other people. And the more you have the deep relationships, the more effective you will be at knowing how to set that ball up. And then number seven, 
I'd say lead yourself first as a person and then as a leader player. So as we're closing this segment today, I want to share some scriptures from 1 Corinthians, and it's really about the body of Christ and how these principles play out there. And it's a metaphor to also think about how this is relevant in your business context as well. And I think the Denver Nuggets demonstrated it and how they operated as a team and won the NBA championship this year. So this is 1 Corinthians 12. I'll start with verse 13, and it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. So we see that with the Denver Nuggets, all members are now rejoicing as they are honored as the NBA champions of 2023. And in your company, when you succeed and when you win together, everyone can celebrate and enjoy that honor. Go out and do great things and let the teamwork make the dream work. Today, I'm here with Terrence Chapman, the president and CEO of nonprofit organization Victorious Family. They are committed to family discipleship and transformation. Thank you for being here, Terrence. Tell us about your big goal, what it is that you're going for at Victorious Family. Well, by 2030, we see reaching 9.2 million families here in the U.S., 
That is wonderful. And you're reaching these families because you really want to see children grow up and truly continue their faith in Christ. So tell us about one of your resources. Do your children believe the book you've written? Well, Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers don't exasperate your children, but to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we're just being faithful to that calling. In order to do that, we train coaches and we provide workshops and content to train parents on how to disciple their children. That is phenomenal. So how can people find out more about the ministry and the other tools and resources you have available and also how they can donate to support the ministry? Well, one of those tools is Do Your Children Believe, a book that we've published by Thomas Nelson. And you can find that at victoriousfamily.org. Fantastic. All right. So there you have it. You want your family to be victorious? Go to victoriousfamily.org. Hi, it's Dr. Karen here. And I want to tell you about my book, which is called Lead Yourself First, the Senior Leader's Guide to Engaging Your People for Greater Performance and Impact. It's a book to inspire you about the challenges that you have overcome and the vision that you've realized in your life. It's from these struggles, triumphs, and temporary setbacks that others will be inspired and that they will have the courage to lead themselves first and also to lead others. In the first chapter, which is called Envision the Future, I talk about the rocky education path that I had to forge and overcome to realize my vision to become a psychologist. And that was all the way from elementary school straight through graduate school. There were obstacles, the path wasn't easy. And yet entering graduate school with only $30 in the bank, I ended up finishing graduate school with no debts. When you walk step-by-step in the vision, even when it doesn't look like where you want to be, Doors open and resources come to you because you hold the vision and you keep walking. So here's what I wanted to say to you. Lead yourself first. This book will walk you through your journey as you go through the open doors and as you continue to walk, just like I walk through mine. So get your copy of Lead Yourself First. Hold the vision for yourself and your life and be successful. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan, for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.